Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. All right, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. We are here, and we have topics we're not in our usual spot. We just both happen to be in a place that's not temple. Not our typical. Not our typical setup. But hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do because we're consistent and we'll get an episode in every week. And when it's time to podcast, it's time to podcast. Exactly. We don't skip podcasts here. Skipping podcasts is not okay. But Matt, we have some topics as always. And today I want to talk about the future. The future of our skylines, because ever since the Industrial Revolution, buildings have been made of steel. Yes. Steel, concrete, you know, oh, the yeah. structures. Big but buildings. The steel, the introduction of steel has elevated major skylines to, you know, the taller heights. Nothing was really tall before, but now it's like with steel, skyscrapers could just go up and up and up. I always think of the photo of the the whole crew of workers sitting on the beam. Yeah. Eating lunch. Wow. Now steel and concrete are the heavy building blocks of the modern world, but I think there's a new challenger coming up to the plate. Um, wooden high rises are the future. Wooden, wooden high rises. Meaning good old tree wood, right? Good old tree so wood. Wow. Because wood's a renewable research and resource. So, yeah. Resource. And with current wood-based technology, it can be as strong as steel. Now, the... Really? Yeah. The reason I heard about this is because of this process called CLT wood, which is cross-laminate timber. Cross-laminate timber. Okay. It's plywood that they they take planks in one direction, glue them together, and then they put planks 90 degrees on top, and they layer them in this alternating order. So the alternate fibers reinforce the other fibers going the opposite directions perpendicular to create a surface that is strong as steel. Well, yeah, I'm thinking just, I mean, uh, wood alone has its own properties of flexibility, similar to steel, where it can bend to a certain point without breaking. But when I think of wood, I think of it drying out over time and, and becoming less of a longevity solution for building. Well, actually, dried out wood lasts a lot longer because once it gets wet, that's when it starts to rot. Okay, there, so if we keep it dry. Yes. And it's all pressure treated, I'm sure. Like Absolutely, but special even treatments. back in the day, back in Japan, there's ancient pagodas that are 900 years old and they are made strictly of just timber. Hey, you know what? You make a very good point. That's true. Now, with these new technologies, people are concerned, well, what if it catches on fire? Ah, yeah, something highly flammable. Steel isn't going to burn. Steel isn't going to burn, but when steel gets hot, it can get weak and it can bend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you can see steel structures that when they do catch on fire, they tend to fall sooner than wooden structures would fall. Now, this comes into relevance because when these CTL panels burn, the layer of charring is so thick and it actually still holds its form even after it gets burned. Because it's so densely packed together, when you set a fire to it, it will go out if there's no like nothing fueling the fire, like a blowtorch or a match. So it's actually pretty fire ret- retardant, at least to a safe state, to give enough time for evacuation to happen. 
Now, currently, there are some wooden skyscrapers, but they don't go over the tallest ones in Sweden. I believe that's 10 stories tall. But there's large pushes to introduce new, taller wooden structures across cities in the U.S., Europe, England, Asia, because that's a renewable resource. Also, these wooden skyscrapers can go up a lot faster in comparison to concrete. Because when you make a concrete building, you can see that with construction that goes around us in the city. When you do concrete, you have to do a level. You have to pour the concrete. You have to wait for it to settle before you start doing the next level of flooring. But with wood, you can have all these prefabricated pieces and just go and hit, put them all together. And you can go floor by floor by floor and not no have waiting. to worry. Exactly. It's just the amount. It's just how fast you can get the resource there to build it. So the amount of time it takes is a lot quicker so it's more economically viable because you're not spending as much time building. Now, currently, the only roadblock right now is convincing people that their cities won't burn down like Chicago in the 1800s. Yeah, the whole city burning down. So London in the 1600s, it's, it's a scary thing. People don't want their cities to burn down. But you have to realize there are precautions that are put in place to make sure this doesn't happen. But I'm very confident that wooden skyscrapers are going to be the future. Is this what they're ta- talking about in, in architectural school as, uh, a, as a main resource? It's things that are starting to be brought up because... Okay, now, so it's just kind of a recent topic of debate here. Yes, because there's such a large push to lower greenhouse emissions. Like the whole process of making steel, concrete, building buildings has such a high CO2 footprint. But then when you get to trees, trees absorb CO2. So it's actually balancing itself out by doing a building process with wood. It's just a matter of uh, sourcing appropriately to to pull from the trees and then planting trees and everything, deforestation. Same idea. So it's it's wood coming from renewable forests that can be, well, regrown at a sustainable rate so they don't go completely dead. Yeah, exactly. Steel, I mean, we mine the steel, the ore from the ground, and we can't produce more. It's just a matter of how much is in the ground, whereas trees, we can grow you can trees. kind of regulate trees. Yeah. I mean, if you know how to grow something. So I think that's the direction that we will be heading. Wooden skyscrapers. I know there's no plans for any in Philadelphia yet, but... I don't see why not. Have, what cities have um, looked to this? Chicago Again? and Chicago. London. Okay. But Chicago, Chicago is always on the for, like forefront of architectural, architectural design. And and everything. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. And same with London. I know London's a big a big staple in design and, and resource utilization. And it's, a, it's a good look, too, to create a building that's 100% sustainable because, well, you're not creating co- toxic fumes in the air. You're... In a sense, you're taking the pollution that the trees have stored within them and you're building a building out of it. You know, this is going to appeal to the uh, the younger crowds who want to live in a renewable home. You know, it's like the the hybrid. It's the Prius of it's the Prius of apartment of living. buildings. You know, I think that it's Ex- something we need if we want to yeah. keep on building, because right now, I mean, there's going to be with population growth. Rumor has it there's going to be two-thirds of the population living in cities. And with that higher density, you need places to live, and going up is the only place we have right now. Yeah, and they say that in Japan. They don't have any room on the land, so they just build up. So these future wooden skyscrapers might be the solution to our problem. Wood. So your, what's it, Jenga? 
your Jenga game you're might not be too far off from what actual skyscraper buildings are made out of. Jenga is the solution to our skyscraper problem. Just wooden blocks to build. Well, not the top. Jenga as in collapsing, but no, the no, actual no, no, structure no. of wood. No, it's going to last. It's a it's the, a very special type of wood. The and panels it, they can make, by the way, in prefabrication are like 25 meters by 25 meters. Like these, you could build a whole floor in a day or two. That's how efficient they are. It's a matter of fastening everything down. Exactly. Not waiting for it to dry like concrete. Yeah, that's a, a concrete big, that's and steel a big mixture. factor because like when you're building the place, you're building the floors, the walls, the ceilings. All when concrete, you have to pour, you have to wait for it to settle, cure, and then you have to do the walls, and it's a whole process. But with this, you're just moving on and continuing continually advancing and moving forward in your projects. And I think it looks pretty nice. It's a slick, eco-friendly design. Is it wooden throughout the the external also? Or like you said, they want to keep it dry. Do they, do they well, line curr- the outsides of the buildings with like a, like a stucco, like a fancy? Well, currently, um, it's, it's similar to how you might have a concrete building, but then a brick facade. Exactly. It's changing okay. the internal structure of these buildings from steel and concrete to wood okay so So literally those steel girders that you're seeing are going to be replaced by wood girders exactly wooden walls instead of those the skeletal form of a building is now wood yeah that's all it's changing so the actual appearance of buildings is going to stay relatively the same yeah based on taste yeah it just depends on how much of the structure you want to expose but i mean i think that's something to look forward to don't you think Absolutely. You know, maybe one of us will be living in a building made with a wooden structure someday. I hope so. Maybe I'll design one one day. Hey, that would be cool. That's a good dream right there. Yeah. But Matt, what do you have for the table today? Thomas, I sat in so much traffic in the past 48 hours. I figured we ought to talk a little bit about traffic. Okay, well, what's the what, traffic what, in the world today? What causes traffic? So let me let me open with a statistic here. A statistic here. In 2007, a study revealed that in 28 urban areas, including big cities, Boston, Detroit, Atlanta, San Francisco, Orlando, uh, Minneapolis, drivers spent an entire work week sitting in traffic each year. That's... So imagine sitting in your car for a week each year. And you know what? That was in 2007. Here we are years later. It's even more now. Even more people are driving. Yeah, I can imagine it's way worse at this point. Absolutely. So that made me wonder, what causes traffic? And this is based on my observations from driving around for the past couple years. Um, Obviously, we're going to start, there is traffic disturbances like accidents, car breakdowns, cars not drive, being able to drive fast enough, not being regulated. Right. I mean, you can always picture, you know, a mile-long buildup of traffic just because there's one car broken down in one lane and everybody has to shift over to the other lane to get by. I can't imagine it's a lot of also user error that causes traffic jam as well, right? Absolutely. So it's not only the network overload with the capacity of roads, but like you said, it's also the people reacting in, it's sort of out of sync of one another. It's not like we're robots where we're like a computer and we can act accordingly to everyone perfectly in perfect spacing. So here's the scenario. As the first car stops, the following cars must also stop. Even when the first car begins to move again, additional approaching cars have to stop farther down the road. 
So you get that chain domino effect. Right. And the congested area travels backward in a wave until traffic is light enough for it to dissipate. So then you see preemptive braking, you know, around curves. Like, are you familiar with the Conshohocken curve? Yeah, everybody's... Infamous curve. Everybody takes a little break, and then that's enough Everybody. For- and I say, I mean, it's fine to break on turns. It's completely normal. But to over-exaggerate on turns is something else. So that has to do with keeping your distance from other drivers. So if everyone was able to keep a safe distance, say three car lengths from the car in front of them, and they were paying attention the whole entire time, their braking would be a little bit better than what people are doing to kind of tailgating each other now because when someone hits the brakes you're going to over exaggerate hit the brakes extra hard person behind you is going to have to over exaggerate chain reaction so it just makes it worse for everybody and that's no good you don't want everybody to suffer because of one mistake exactly and and they're just subtle mistakes that back up the whole entire thing that's why traffic can accumulate so quickly because it's such a chain reaction the cars are literally dominoes so like i said one way to combat that is to keep a good driving distance like three cars from one another and obviously being focused right but with the amount of people you're obviously getting network overload so roads are not built to accommodate the amount of people that have cars and are driving on the roads today i mean cities are taking measures to help traffic such as like carpooling lanes or truck only lanes you know it kind of separates the passenger cars from the truck shipping things but still there's just not enough lanes and as you can see on almost every major highway there's obviously trying to widen the road add extra lanes right yeah but sometimes i can see that's not a viable option and i think of the road near us uh the schuylkill the schuylkill expressway yes yeah yeah and which is on a cliff and a mountain so you can't expand exactly and there's there's the water there and you know what they talked about building a second level to that it's the only solution because you can't build out but do you know how much money that would cost it would cost billions of dollars you know just to do that and it would cause backup and that's one of the only ways to get into the city at that rate from that direction so you know what there's a lot of problems going on with that there's just too many people too many people having cars too many people driving not enough responsibility you might say it's it's a lot of problems and there's too many to fix all at once. You know, we have to take it bit by bit. But some solutions are harder than others, saying, like, you, there's nowhere to expand the road. And also, if you think if we're doing construction on a whole road, that road's going to be shut down for that whole time, and then you're just, well, stuck with more traffic. Exactly. Um, many cities, modern cities, Los Angeles, they have sophisticated communication systems on highways. You know, that could be anything from like ramp metering. Have you ever entered a highway yeah. where you have to wait and, you know, there's two lanes, it tells you to go, they're, they're timed. Problem is the timing for that might not sync up with the next timed meter ramp. And that out of sync can really mess everything up. Same with just regular traffic lights, say like um, the north end of 202 here on the in the northeast or whatever there's traffic lights every so and so couple miles you know those traffic lights are not in sync with one another so obviously you're going to get built up in cities you can see it on a much shorter scale between blocks you can see cars getting stuck halfway through the intersection and that's on the driver too you shouldn't go in the intersection if there's a car already halfway in the intersection yeah if you can't go you're not supposed to go the light's going to change you know we see that problem all the time it just backs everything up rush hour it escalates rapidly. Terrible traffic. Yeah, traffic's no fun. I was sitting in traffic on the way here. I'm imagining you were also in some traffic today. This morning, 
this afternoon. It's, it's just something that happens. I can't imagine driving in traffic every single morning and on the way home. It's just draining. Because you know everybody's leaving at the same time and everybody's going to be in that traffic jam. And I can understand why so many people might live in the city but work out in the suburbs because you're doing the opposite rather than commuting from the suburbs to the city. Right. I but can still, there's, that's there's still traffic, you know? There is still traffic, and it's no fun. No one likes traffic. You know what can help fix traffic? The, the number one solution? Automated cars? No. Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Obviously, uh, public transportation, you know, on a timed basis, like monorail type services, ch- cars on tracks, maybe. Right. Um, I mean, we're looking at, you know, Tesla, just to throw that name out there. Cars, Self-driving like cars. That. Absolutely. That's the number one. Number two, you can just put on a podcast while you're driving in the car yeah, and forget yeah. about the traffic, you such know, as the two top podcast. If you're listening to a podcast, time flies by and it's fine i listen to the two top podcast great guys good stuff i enjoy it. it's a good length you know not too long keeps it flowing you know what just go to the next episode if there's a lot of traffic if there's little traffic listen to part of an episode just a- listen to all of it <laughs> well i wanted to see if you're going to talk about how um one big problem is also the idea of rubber necking that when someone causes an accident, it's not the fact that the cars are blocking the road. It's the fact that when people drive by, they slow down, look at the accident and keep going. That's a good point. Yeah. The rubberneck effect, you know, but it's also, it's good to slow down, you know, or if a police officer has someone pulled down, it's the law to slow down and you actually, it's the law to change lanes. You're supposed to get out of the lane. So that obviously causes a problem, especially some police officers are kind of half in the lane, half on the shoulder just to kind of block it off to get more space. And that that blocks everything. Like this morning driving, that was the case for me driving north, you know? It's just one cop, one person pulled over, three miles of traffic, you know? It's a problem, man. I wish as there was an you easy solution. It, as soon as you pass that cop, you're fine. But, yeah. That is always nice, though, when you get out of the jam session and you just open have road. open road. Open road. That's always a good feeling. So it's a psychological thing. For you know, preemptive braking, you know, over over reacting, over exaggerating on your brakes, and then it's also physical. Like you can't help it, you know. I mean, if your car breaks down, or if you can't get over to a lane, if there's construction, you can only go so fast. If you're stuck in those, you know, cattle shoots of of let's I'm not to throw names, but two hundred two, it's been un- under construction for forever. And yeah, will it, be under construction forever. One day, maybe I'll see it done, but who knows how old I'll be. But Hey, I guess there's so many factors and there's no easy solution besides, I mean, I think the train is always great when you can take public transportation that doesn't respond to traffic because you're all on your own schedule. And that's normally reliable, but I mean, sometimes you just have to drive somewhere and you hit traffic. It's just, it's always at the inconvenient times. Absolutely. When you need to get somewhere in a rush. Like if you need to get somewhere at five o'clock or five to six o'clock, you're not getting there on time. Murphy's law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong, especially in traffic. So, you know, all the, the top places in the world with the worst traffic, none of them are in the United States. So you're looking at Bangkok, Thailand is one of the worst. Beijing, China, Cairo, Egypt, Calcutta, India. Chennai, India, Jakarta, Indonesia, Sao Paulo, Brazil, Shanghai, China, and then for the U.S., you're looking at San Francisco. I hear San Francisco traffic is some of the worst traffic in the world. Oh, absolutely. Washington, D.C. is also bad. Atlanta, Georgia, and Houston, Texas are among the worst in the United States, but San Francisco, 
apparently it's unreal. So well, that's not Philadelphia. So I guess we can't Phil- complain. You know what? Too we much. can't complain too much. So just put on a podcast. Ignore the traffic. You'll get there in no time. All right. Well, I think the traffic jam is something that we all wish we could avoid. But you know, if we're all living in the city in our beautiful wooden skyscrapers, this isn't a problem that we'll no, have. Just stay at home. Stay at home. Stay in the city. And you know. Listen to a podcast, relax, chill, no need to get in a traffic jam, no need for that road rage. Just relax and enjoy the sounds of Two Top. Wow, that's had some self-promotion that's right there. a big sales pitch on this episode. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this lovely episode of Two Top. And, well, have a good one. Join us next week for another episode of Two, Two Top. Top. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics.